This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Mother's Day is one of the most popular eating out days, although truthfully, I love restaurants. I love to eat out. But on holidays, these places get really crazy. So I did a little homework. We checked out various restaurants. And if you want to go to lunch and it's a good idea, then follow me. Take a look at Charlie Palmer Steak, 135 West 42nd Street. And they have an 1130 to 4 reservation window, three courses, a complimentary glass of champagne. It's 95 a person, 50 for kids, 12 and under. And we found it right on open table. And listen to how good it is. Chicken and waffles, lobster scrambled eggs, steak and eggs, yummy. So that's something to think about. And Lugaloo on the Upper East Side at 2960 61st Street, a very charming French bistro, $72 price fixed, appetizer main course, 36 for kids under 12, and again, open table happens. So look at the menu. Croque Monsieur with brie and black truffle, a delicious salad, and even better French fries. And then they have a salad niçoise, which is house-made confit tuna, potatoes, tomatoes, olives, hard-boiled eggs, haricot vert, good green beans, and fresh English pea risotto, delicious rice. So a Parker's, you may say a new restaurant, was trying to be opened recently, but it finally reopened in the lobby of the Thompson. And this is Central Park, 119 West 56th Street, and go to Parker's, NYC.com. Very nice. Mother's Day brunch, 6.30 to 2. Live jazz at 11 in the morning, and it's 48 a person from 6.30 to 2 with jazz from 11 to 2. And they have their chicken and waffles, their chocolate buttermilk waffles, cornflake crusted chicken. If you've never had that, it's really good. And blueberry compote. Honey Drizzle Brunch Burger, Hudson Valley Cheddar, you know, all kinds of delicious food. And it's gotten great reviews. We took a look at Condé Nast Traveler, and they it's it was their burger joint, which has been in the hotel for years, and now it's got absolutely great lobby scene, all kinds of good food, and... If you don't want to wait online for the burger joint, the Lobby Bar has a martini list that is delicious with super fresh ingredients. 
and a lot of yummy food. So these are things just to get started. Enjoy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome everyone to the Joan Hamburg Show and I have your perfect summer read coming up. Well, you could read it anytime, but I started Mm -hmm. reading Sonny Hostin's book and I'm telling you guys, I just kept reading it and reading it and reading it until I think I have like five pages left. And (laughs) I didn't want to, Sonny, finish it immediately because it was like something yummy and that you like to eat. So, no, it was great. And the location is just perfect, and we love Olivia Jones, your character, who, like all the rest of us, no matter how young, how old, what we do, and she was in or is in the money business in many ways, we all are trying to figure out who are we, what are we going to be when we grow up, right? Yes. Yes, you really, you really see me, Joan. Um, That that was really the... um, the impetus for writing this book in Sag Harbor about Olivia, because when my first book, Come on the Bluff, came out, uh, it was during the pandemic. And so I had to do a lot of virtual book tours in order to get the word out about the book. And what was fascinating to me was, by and large, everyone wanted to know more about Olivia. They felt that she didn't know herself. What kind of journey was going on? Um, Did she really love Anderson? All those questions that as women, we sort of have in our heads like we know what we want and we know what we desire but sometimes we question whether or not we deserve it we question whether or not um you know our our value is is as important as as it should be and so i wanted to explore that with olivia i always knew it was going to be in sag harbor because i had chosen the places and the settings for the book because i feel like Mm. the settings are another character in the book but i definitely yeah, and I, I definitely realized that this book had to be about Olivia's journey. She starts it out thinking she's going to find out about her biological father, family, but she really is finding out about herself. Exactly. And, of course, even this community, which many people don't know exists, but it's real, in Sag Harbor. It is real. 
Yeah, I have friends yes, who yes. live there, and I remember a hundred years ago when he went to show me their house on the water, and I thought, How? no one knows this exists. How are they ever going to no. keep this place a secret from realtors and everyone else? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, the secret is out, not just out. because of this book, but um, I was speaking to um, sort of the unofficial mayor of, of Sag Harbor who passed just a few years ago, and he said it used to be 100% uh, an African-American community. At some point, about 10 years ago, it was about 70-30. Now it's 60-40. And a lot of it is not necessarily the usual type of gentrification mm-hmm. that you see that, that should happen, right? You want, you want diverse communities. Of course. But this type of gentrification is, a, is very predatory. You have these, you know, big conglomerate type real estate agencies that are preying upon the elderly. They're preying upon the grandchildren that can't afford the property taxes. So rather than help them, they're they're buying their homes, they're offering them a lot of money, and then they're tearing them down and they're mm-hmm. building these McMansions and changing the very fabric of the community. What I do love about this community, because I've been summering there for 20 years, is that they just uh, made sure that it was designated a federal a historic property, and it's called a historic Black Beach community. And so I think that will do a lot to keep the character. Oh, I hope so. Um, but it, it does. Of it's the, an important thing. Right. With yeah, all the problems, too, that it brings, because once it's declared that, you know, you have to abide yeah. by a lot of different restrictions, but yes, it's worth it do. because <laughs> it's it's unique. I'm talking to Sunny Hassan, who's a lawyer, a journalist. You watch her. She's a TV host on The View. And let, let's go back a little bit. Your mm-hmm. path when you were, you know, sort of coming of age was not a dream like I'm going to be a TV host, I'm going to have a show, I'm going to... What was it? What did you think? Did you see yourself practicing, or what oh, was the path? I, I, I would never, I would never have dreamed this big. You know, I come from pretty humble beginnings. I grew up in the South Bronx in the projects, and my dream was to get out of it, <laughs> get out of that circumstance, of course. and maybe, maybe move to Manhattan. That was sort of the dream, which I, I my family did end up moving to Manhattan. And it was just about going to college and being the first person in my family to go to college and, and go away somewhere um, and, and learn. I, I was a history buff. I was an English buff. Um, I loved to read. And so I kind of thought I would just be a journalist. I have a journalism major, um, write other people's stories, maybe write for a magazine, maybe write for The New Yorker. I never really imagined writing fiction in this way um, and being a television host. Because when I was growing up, this is pre-Oprah, I'm dating myself, but there was no Oprah on television. And um, the closest thing that came to the view that kind of looked like me was Carol Simpson on local ABC News. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, I'm sort of living a dream. uh, I'm still pinching myself, in fact. Well, what was the first job you got that made you think you're on your way? Well, I definitely, when I became a federal prosecutor and I was uh, hired through the honors program at the Department of Justice, I thought, wow, 
people this think I'm smart. It. This is really pretty cool. Um, I think this is it. I can be a judge. Who knows? And uh, and then I was speaking at a conference, and someone came up to me and said, "You should do, you know, legal correspondent work. I mean, this would be amazing." And I I just said, "Well." I do have a journalism major, but from your lips to God's ears, I don't right. think someone's going to pluck me from obscurity at this point, because at this point I was in my late 30s. And uh, she happened to be a producer with Nancy Grace on Court TV. Oh. And I would say I was on Court TV in two weeks, and and then someone at CNN saw me, and I got a job at CNN, and then someone at ABC saw me, and I got a job at ABC, and then... Whoopi Goldberg's an insomniac, and I was I was actually anchoring the overnight show. It's really the grave shift, graveyard mm. shift, and um, she recommended me to Barbara Walters. Unbelievable! And, and the right? rest is history. <laughs> I know. Now, were you married? Like were you married at that point? The early on. Yes, I got married in 1998. Wow, and so you my got first married young. Co-hosting gig, I did. My first co-hosting gig uh, was in at On the View in 2012. So I've been married 25 years to the same wow. really cool guy, and um, he encouraged me to go for it, which doesn't always happen, you know. It 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 happens less than most people think. Because yes, it's yes. it's hard, and I have a lot of women it friends who ended up, you know, really doing incredibly well, and would sometimes try to hide it, or they didn't want to hurt feelings. It was such a sensitive area. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, how did you deal all those years with? You had children. You had many multiple yes. lives, <laughs> and it's I not have, easy. You know. It's not easy. I can't say that I really believe in work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just make it a priority to put my family first. Uh, in fact, my daughter's uh, you know 17th birthday was yesterday, and she's in the car with me now as I give this interview, yeah. and we're <laughs> we're on the move, and that's how I balance it. I just I just make sure my family comes first. My husband comes first, and then I fit everything else in. And it right. takes a lot of planning and scheduling, but for me, that's my priority. And sometimes I may miss a deadline. I've given up opportunities to host talk shows in L.A. because my family likes New York. And um, I, I think that's the only way you can, quote, unquote, have it all, um, because you have to have it all at different times, not at the same time. Right, and what all is changes as we come of age, right? The all that I know I thought of when I was a kid was not the all yes. that ended up being my life. That's, that's absolutely correct. I thought, you know, I'd, I'd marry this really cute guy who was in med- medical school at the time. Now he's a very successful orthopedic surgeon and that also gave me the ability to, you know, dream a little bit bigger and do, do some more things. But then when the kids were smaller, I just kind of had to Deal wait a little that. bit. Um, I had to do that first. That came first. And as they got older, I was able to, you know, juggle it a little bit better, get a little help. My parents were always very helpful to me, my husband's parents. 
and we we just made it work. I, it definitely takes a village, and it sounds so cliche now. No, but it's uh, true. Hillary Clinton, but it's so true. Without them, there's there's just no way I would be talking to you about my book. It's just no. not, not possible. And and then <laughs> what what stage, Sonny, did you decide it was time to write? your first book and get more involved in that world. I mean, each world is very busy and very full and takes a lot of effort. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, I took a, uh, I took a writing course. Um, I used to make up stories uh, for my children. There weren't a lot of story children's books at the time. I think we've gotten much better, uh, but I used to make up, you know, uh, the stories of princess Paloma and I, would uh, make up stories for, for my son, Prince Gabriel, and I would have all of these adventures. And I decided uh, to take a writing course. And uh, my writing teacher, Ryan Harbage, is, was just this incredibly talented writer himself. And he, uh, he called me a few years later and said, you've got this memoir in you, and let me be your agent, and let's do this, and I'll, I'll even help you edit, uh, but I know from the writing that you did in my course that you've got a book in you. And that's how the first book, it was really a gift. I kept on saying, but I'm not old enough to write a memoir. And he was like, (laughs) everybody always says that. Everybody says that, but you are. And um, that's how I wrote wrote my memoir. And I actually dictated it. He got me this incredible editor that sort of, yeah, I dictated it because I had, they were about stories and I, I got an incredible editor that was able to shape it for me, and um, it became a bestseller. And then he said, you should also write fiction. Um, and then I wrote fiction. <laughs> it's, you know, once you get the writing bug, it's a little hard to, to stop. I'm, I'm actually writing Highland Beach right now, which is the third in this trilogy. Yeah, but on the serious. side, I'm writing a, a fantasy book because um, that's my favorite genre, actually, other than Beach reads. I love sci-fi and fantasy, and I I started doing that as well. Wow! So Olivia may not be in the fantasy book. <laughs> no, she won't be. <laughs> she will be in Highland Beach, though. But you know, as I'm reading it, and I only have a handful of pages left, I truly—and it's not just baloney—I wanted to hear more about her because. She was a combination of so many people that we all know. And even though she had so much, the looks and the intelligence and the good job and the fiancé, she had that who am I uncertainty. Like maybe I'm not good enough for all this. I'm not good enough. That self-doubt. And I I will tell you, I have suffered from that, that imposter syndrome, that Nothing's good enough. That's self-flagellation. It happens to me when I write. I write 50 pages. I then read read them, and I throw them away. My editor finally had to say, instead Stop. of throwing them away, can you please send them to me? Let me be the judge of whether or not it's good enough. And sure enough, the last, maybe the last time I wrote 100, I sent them to her, and she said, just keep going. Mm. Never throw anything away again. And she gave me the confidence that I needed to just keep going. So can Um, you, after working and doing all the things, Sonny, that you do, can you then find the hour, the two hours, whatever it takes to write 
where it's ultimately going to come out and be a book. <laughs> yeah, it's I hard. I find the time. It's very hard. I find the time late at night, if I'm being honest. You know, I, I find that uh, my my daughter's a night owl, so she's usually up in her room. Uh, but my daughter, my my husband is an early riser, and so by about ten thirty, my house calms down. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's in bed. My dogs are asleep because they get up with him. Uh, my chickens are nesting; they're asleep. My cat is sleeping, <laughs> and I just sneak into my office and I write. Sometimes till one. That's usually my cutoff because I've got to get up for the view. Um, but if, if it's really happening for me, I just keep on going. And I suffer a little bit uh, that next, that you know, later on that day, but it's well worth it. And that, that's when I've gotten some of my best work done. Late and Sonny's doing a lot of work, whether it's late at night or during the day. Does being on a talk show give you a lot of pleasure? It does. It does now. We're such a cohesive group. Everyone is so wonderful. I actually had an event at the 92nd Street Y for my book, and, and Joy heard. was the moderator. Yeah. And she's so incredible. We're, we're very, very close. Um, you know, Whoopi Goldberg has agreed to, well, I don't know if I can even say this, but she's agreed her availability to be in the, the television adaptation, the screening adaptation of Summer on the Bluffs. I mean, I have this Wait, you're kidding. What are they doing with that one? <laughs> They're turning it into it's, a series? Yes, they are. Octavia Spencer is my production partner, and she's going to play Olivia's mom, Cindy. Good for you. And mm-hmm. uh, now, now I've now I've got another Academy uh, Award winner that has agreed to be in in the series. And I'm again, I'm pinching myself. I would have never imagined this to be happening, but I'm I'm thrilled that people are loving the book as much as they are. The reviews have been incredible. I was just compared to. I hope I pronounced her name right. Elin Hildegrand. Hildegrand. Oh my God! It should only trees. happen. I mean, I was, I, I kind of couldn't believe it until my agent actually sent me the book review, oh. and um, I, I've read all of her books, and so to be compared in that company is fantastic. Is a real blessing. And yeah, Sunny, now you blessing. can buy Sag Harbor. If <laughs> you don't need to worry about the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> with everyone and with the kids, are the kids ready to go to way to college or still have time? Well, my my son is in his second year in college, so mm-hmm. he'll be coming home soon. Hopefully, uh, he'll summer. be coming home. Uh, for the summer, although he's going to be traveling the world, he's got some internships in Portugal and Good Finland and that kind of thing. And uh, my daughter's a junior, but she is also a wonderful artist. And so she'll mm-hmm. be going to art school this summer and um, graduating next year. So I, I'm not going to be an empty nester yet. I'm not sure if I'm going to let her go. Um, I want her as close to me as possible, but... Um, <laughs> well, and you I already have. I was going to say that every time one of my kids went away, my husband would bring home a dog. And I said, <laughs> enough. I thought we weren't having I any know. more big dogs. <laughs> no, he could get a little tiny dog. He needed a really big one. So anyway, yeah. it's it's all it's all part of us growing up. And the whole process, you know, hard to let those kids go. 
it's been it's been a little hard for me. <laughs> well, and you also are doing so many different jobs, and now you have a very exciting possibilities with a streaming and television and all yes. kinds of things. And you really got yourself a good character because we're now invested in her and oh, want to know what wonderful. happens. So, well, she's uh, she she's going to be in Highland Beach for sure. Uh huh. Good. I'm excited for you. <laughs> do you ever take time Thank and relax? You. What do you like to do when you're not writing, working, taking care of the well, chickens? When I'm, when I'm not writing, I uh, this is going to sound a little little corny, but um, I like to garden. It's uh, kind of my happy place. I have an orchard that uh, I planted during the pandemic. So I uh, and it's I doing compost. well. <laughs> it's doing really well. I have an orchard. I have grapes. I have pear trees and wow. cherry trees, peach trees, apples, and then I have an herb garden. It's probably too big. And then I have uh, two other gardens. One is basically for climbing, you know, climbing veggies like my nice. cucumbers and my squash and my eggplants. And then I have another one for my lettuce and my kale and my tomatoes and or tomatoes as some would say and i i love it i i that's sort of what uh what keeps me feeling grounded right i understand i love that too nothing gives us greater mm -hmm. pleasure than mm -hmm. seeing something come up i mean i said to my daughter that every cucumber is like a hundred dollars a cucumber by the time we finish <laughs> it is. Right? It is. it's but crazy it's so worth it. Right? <laughs> I know. We could buy out the farm stand, but that cucumber yes, hanging did. there, looking at us, it's all worth it. Well, congratulations, Sonny. Good job. Summer on Sag Harbor Thank and so you. many things. And watch her on The View. All the best to thank you and your so family. Much, A pleasure, oh, my dear. You. We'll thank talk you. again. All right, okay. everyone. Take you care. can watch Sunny, you too, Austin, on The View, Monday through Friday. And she's everywhere and well-deserved. And pick up the book. I promise you, you're going to love it. Summer on Sag Harbor. And I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC More Ahead. Broadway's hottest new musical is also the most nominated. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the Joan Hamburg Show. And I'm really happy to see the Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, who is one of the most interesting women that you have ever met. Not only is she interesting and, and charitable and does more than you can imagine. She's a very successful writer. Her second novel, A Most Intriguing Lady, has just come out. And Sarah also is so involved in the world and in kids. And I love seeing you, very glamorous, in a blue velvet jacket. Well, Joan, thank you so much. Are you Joni or Joan? Joan, but they call me whatever. Okay. Joni, Joan. Okay, well, I'm Sarah and you're Joni. Right. And some children call me Dutchy Doodles. <laughs> Dutchy Doodles, I love that. But you're very kind to say about my blue jacket because your glasses would go very well with it when your Joan, Joni has lovely same-colored 
blue glasses, blue spectacles. Yeah, but we love blue. It yeah, makes we love us blue. feel good and yes. happy and yeah. bright. So when you were here uh, a couple of years ago, you had been through a lot of rough times. I mean, people would say not so rough, rough. You know, when people go after other people, it's rough if you're the recipient of that. But you have a kind of inner strength that you. got you through. And look at all you've accomplished in that time. Thank you. Well, it's very kind of you to give me the platform, and thank you for that. I, th I found uh, my first novel was written during the pandemic because I was able to escape into Lady Margaret. And um, I was a bit timid and lacking a bit of confidence because, you know, sometimes when you do go through so much, you, you have a lot of self-doubt. Right, and you're afraid people will criticize you and everything. I've noticed, Joni, uh, when um, I get to overtired and um, someone says something mean or unkind, which they, they do a lot, um, it makes me cry. And it makes me sends me into fear that I'm going to go back to the days of the, of the of the bad time. And it's interesting because my children both know, Mum, Mum, what's the fear? Address it. What's the fear? And as soon as you put your finger on it and label it, uh, you you feel a better. You, it doesn't rob you of the day. Did you have a strong childhood? Was the family good to you? Uh, we had the most idyllic childhood where we played with Cindy and Paul in those days. Or, yeah, Cindy and Paul. Then it moved on to Ken and Barbie, but we had Cindy and Paul because yeah. I was born in 1959. And then from there, we had the best time. And, of course, Dad played polo f with the Duke of Edinburgh and with Prince of Wales. So the, that wonderful mother-in-law of mine has been with me since I was born. You know, she's always been, well, and for the nation and for the world, she's always had that sort of hand of support behind your back where you don't really you know it's there but you can't feel it but right. you know it's there but she was there for you yeah, always and you loved her always when i got divorced uh the lawyers who were really stonky lawyers uh they said oh um you know uh well you, you got to divorce the queen you can't divorce divorce your husband and and so how much do you need and i said i don't need anything i need your friendship and that's what i had till the end and it was the American people, Joni, that gave me my life. Because I came here in 1995, divorced, and they gave me a job in Weight Watchers. And I am a closet American because I'm so grateful. And was Weight Watchers fun for you? By the way, you're very thin. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking good, Sarah. <laughs> but, Joni, the Weight Watchers was fantastic because what I... What I what they didn't realize was I had a weight issue. So every time I went up on stage, I could relate to everyone's coming up saying. So I'd ask them, "So how do you manage your food and how do you manage your day?" And I was cared. because I cared because I then went home and did exactly what they were telling me to do. It's fantastic. It, it, Twelve years I was with them, and I, I'm very loyal to the middle America, to my people um, in America, to Who embraced you. Yes. And I, I thank them. I couldn't think how to thank the American people. So um, when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, I went to Oklahoma and I went up and I said to Dolores, my friend, I said, Dolores, how can I help? She says, save my grandson. So I went down to lunch and I drew a doll, a little red, she's called, on a napkin. And I took the napkin to F.A. Schwartz 
uh, Anne Keating, my friend, introduced me to F.A.O. Schwartz, and we made a doll which stands at about 15 inches. Isn't that great? It's amazing. And if you go, and she she has a cowboy hat on and Oklahoma pajamas because she's born there. And if you go to to Oklahoma City, she's in the museum there as a sign of hope for children. And then I started Chances for Children and came to New York. And Howard Lutnick and Alison Lutnick gave me an office on the 101st floor Mm. of the North Tower. And do you know, Jenny, and I, I can show you all the pictures... Little Red, my 15-inch dog, came down from 101 floors. Mm. CNN filmed it and said, look, a child's doll. And Larry King and said... And that was yours. And she said... Uh, and they, and CNN said, no, it's Fergie's Little Red that stands for children's rights all over the world. And she was, she's now in Grand Zero Museum. You can go and see her there. It, that's amazing. Amazing. Do you feel, like, really proud of yourself now? I hope you've learned to appreciate who you really are and love yourself. Uh, there are good. It's days. asking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I think that my grandmother always taught me that. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. If you feel bad about yourself, give to others. And she was a great lady, um, Irish. And um, and so when I was, whenever I feel bad about myself, I go and help others. And the minute you do, the minute you say, get out of your own way, you silly old goose, because you're so lucky. I, Joni, am the luckiest girl on, on this planet, really. I've, I've mother-in-law the queen, Diana was my best friend. I've lived every girl's dream. And with it, there's some, been some obstacles, but I'm here today. You got over them. Yeah. And that's the secret. Yeah. You know, don't let them hold you in a bad embrace. And you did that. You got through all that stuff. Thank you. And look at your girls. <gasps> My I mean, gosh. And you're a grandmother. I'm a, I'm a grandmother of August, who's two. A Sienna, who's little Barbie. She's right. dressed in Barbie dolls. And uh, and then another one on the way, Joni. Oh, that's great. It's great. That's great. So life has come around and good. It's come around and good, and they call me Gigi after the film. Do you remember the of film? Of course. <laughs> I love that <laughs> we film. We love that. And so I'm cool. I, I wanted to be very elegant, so I love Gigi, you know. And um, so Gigi, I am Gigi. But because I've written so many children's books and Little Red, I... I actually love that world of of Fergie and Friends and and Gigi and August and Sienna. So we're very happy. Oh, and my girls, I call them the tripod, the three of us, because when everyone says, is it great to be a a grandmother, I say, I'm actually really proud of my girls. I love seeing them as mothers. It's fantastic. Yeah. And both of them married, right? To, oh, my heavens. Incredible. Oh, oh, Joni. No, 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 no. Jack is my, my best friend. Jack is married to Eugenie, and he right. was my best friend, mm. and he is my best friend. So whenever Eugenie's, um, whether she's good or not, it doesn't matter. I say, just love your husband. Jack's perfect. Jack's everything, <laughs> and Jack's great. And then Edo, the Beatrice is married to Edo. You wouldn't believe it, but 
his brother is my godson. No. So I've known him all my life. So did you introduce them? Well, well they I, knew each other from childhood. Well, well the, from the age of about 13, Beatrice mm. had a crush on him. He's older, so he was 16 or something. And But the real thing was that Beatrice didn't really know him. Anyway, at Eugenie's wedding, this is really good, we had a tea room. I made a tea room. Of course you have a tea room. Why wouldn't you have a tea room? And uh, Palace said I couldn't, so I did, deliberately, because they said I couldn't. And in my tea room, which was such fun, I put champagne in the teapot. Of course you put champagne in the teapot. Anyway, I closed the tea room to go to di for dinner. This is at the reception. And uh, I closed all the lights down. The tea room was closed, and they were going to dinner. The tea room was still open. Hmm, guess why? Edo and Beatrice were in the tea room. You're kidding. Mm -hmm. It was so... alone in the tea room. Oh, that's funny. That's funny because, and now they're married, and it's, um, and it, they've got Sienna, and they've got Wolfie, who's Edo's, Beatrice's stepson, who's, that's an interesting, Beatrice says it's very fascinating to have, to learn to be a stepmother. You know, it's a good, really good, and I think more stepmothers out there get a, Sometimes a bad handle. Yeah, they get a bad rap, too, because mm -hmm. they're not sure what's expected. But your girls always seemed, no matter what the situation, very comfortable with themselves, with their families. I mean, think what a good job you did with those kids. It isn't easy to bring up kids in any kind of family, let alone a royal family, where expectations are so huge on yeah. everyone. I think the Queen had a lot to do with it, actually, because um, be, being so steadfast and consistent, Jenny, you know, that that was so good because we always, the girls would always go up and see Granny and have tea with Granny. And they, Granny always kept to one o'clock lunch, five o'clock tea, dinner at 8.30, and the girls could then march in tune with her and learn so much from an, uh, such an icon. And um, But you're like her, Jenny. Well, like a little her. different. <laughs> a little different from the Queen. <laughs> but, but it's the same value system, integrity, values. Your own inner rule book is values of, well, of goodness. Right, Well, you, and, you, and you have to have that. But you did it, and it makes a difference, and the Queen liked you so much I, we laughed a lot Jenny. well that's i mean joy if joy and you and i with the queen she she would we would go every day dog walking at two and you inherited the dogs and right? i've got the corgis and we'd walk along around the garden and it was the one time when no one could listen to us no one could hear us and we were giggling we were cackling like rather like joy and you mm. journey and then at this particular time, I know the lovely gardens we walked around, there would be the Daphne plant smells, there would be the magnolia, there would be all these... She would. She so loved her garden. And then I, I'd say, well, there's a hole in that tree. And she said, yes, I think my great-grandfather sh shot, shot a hole in that tree. And then we go to the next bit of story. You know? How much fun to, oh, hear, yeah. to hear all of that. And you were such a part of it. Yeah. I mean, what a, that's why I say I'm so lucky, because I lived. I mean, I've, I know I write history or amateur history, but I, I really, my books are all about diving into history. Right. And now... The Victorian but, age. Exactly. But the Queen actually... It, it, was part, it, it, part of all of, of this. Yes. And so you, you, you have to really pinch yourself. And the other thing I really pinch myself about, Joni, is 
most people's dream is to meet the Queen. Right, to have met the Queen. Of right? course. So they'd gone off to have their hair done and got a nice dress and they'd made it, and they'd waited years to meet for her. This. For a five minute audience just to see the Queen. And here I was driving in the car with the dogs in our welly boots and headscarves on. And I know that, like yesterday, I was in New Jersey and the 400 people came uh, to bookends. That's a lot. That's a lot. And each person, I did a photograph with each person and I said hello and I had a chat. And do you know what I took away from that? Kindness. The American people were kind. They were kind. And I was so thrilled to... Uh, those, these little children came and, and every... Fo- I just wanted to say thank you. But they like you. <laughs> no, but, and that's a gift. Yeah, to, to feel accessible and be accessible so that people can reach out and touch you and understand. And even reading your books... Lady Mary, <laughs> a most intriguing lady. The second book, you sort of know she's you. I mean, obviously, if you're going to write, writers write from what they know. And so she's you to us who are reading it. Yes. And it makes a great big difference. But, Tony, <laughs> because I got a bit of confidence from the first book, this book is r- me really going. Better, yeah. Yes, and I'm better now. So I'm getting more and more confident. So the next book is going to be even more confident. Heaven, heaven sake. Because you can do it. Poor world. But, but Lady Mary, I said, right, she's going to tightrope walk from the turrets of Scotland, where she was brought up because she's my great-great-aunt. Right. And she's going to tightrope walk across the turrets and, and in 1870. And, and and there's going to be a Cary Grant fellow, sort of very good looking in his d- dinner jacket, mm. waiting on the terraces of Drumlanrig. And he's going to look up and then avert his eyes because he mustn't look up a lady's skirt. And I had to then, I had to really put my where my mouth was. I had to go and research whether circuses did exist. Because circuses might not have existed in 1870, right. but they did in Scotland. Thank oh. heavens. <laughs> Who knew? You see all that? Sarah Ferguson with her brand new book. You're going to love it. Almost intriguing. A most intriguing lady. <laughs> and is there another one? You know, this would be, and it may be for all I know, such a good TV series because we love detective work. And we haven't had a good detective story in years. So, possible? It's very possible. Um, uh, and, Jenny, thank you for telling the world, because that's exactly where I want to go. She's, I'm just hinting it, at it with Lady Mary, who goes in disguise and joins, joins Queenie's gang. Right. Right. Because she's a lady, but at night she's a super sleuth and a female detective. And the next book, right into female detectives... 1870, moving on all the way through to, you know, I'm fascinated by women who are brave in World War One and World War Two. I think this is just the beginning of my super sleuthing. Right, we love that. And mm-hmm. we also love the lady part because we're not good at ladies here in America. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lot of life's lessons. Well, it, it, in the book, um, Rachel Kahn, my lovely editor from William Morrow, she said, will you describe, please, what other people could never describe? Is right. all the setting and the dining room table settings? No, and what you eat. Yes, you said yes. chicken sandwiches. Yes, coronation chicken that, sandwiches. That, well, that sounds good. <laughs> Special chickens for the sandwich. <laughs> but also, Lady Mary goes, 
into the Yorkshire Dales because I thought it would be really windy and cold yeah. and haunting. And then she goes to, I found Newburgh Priory, which is Oliver Cromwell's place, and, um, and it's haunting. And then I described the gardens and how she was walking in the gardens, but you know, and all this sort of thing. So it's very descriptive about how I, what, how I live, right, how, really. Which is exciting. Yeah. Now, how did you inherit the dogs? Well, uh, it's amazing. Could have been a crown or something, but you got <laughs> yeah. the dogs. <laughs> well, exactly. And they're national treasures. And so whenever they go out and run into trees, I freak and off down to the vets. Oh. But they, are, they, are, um, they came with their royal dog beds. Mm-hmm, I love that. That's very funny. Yes, it's very funny. And you're a dog lover, obviously. I have five you Norfolk. You have your own. Five, Joni. Five Norfolk Terriers, and now I have seven. And they, you know, the Norfolks are sort of saying, hey, guys, you know, you may have come from a castle, but settle down. I know that's what they're saying. I know, but they're such good dogs. They're so adorable. But the corgis, no wonder the Queen loved them, because I've never had a corgi. But now these guys, they're really, really nice dogs. I mean, they're very gentle. And I said to um, one Mick, the Queen's dog Mick, I said, your only job, Mick, is to go and sit on the Queen's lap and watch the racing. And he did. He did. He did. And he put his little head oh. on here. And he did because it would come towards the end. She couldn't get around. No. And he used to be there with her. Oh. I can't get over that he did as he was he told. Knew. He knew. He knew. He knew. I know. Dog. Dogs are oh. unbelievable. When my husband was ill, our dog, a standard foodle, climbed up on the bed and put her great big paws wrapped around his legs and didn't want anyone to come near him. She was, her head was up. She was watching every minute. Mm. They just know. And what was she, she was protecting him. Protecting him. And And she wanted to get rid of the illness. She wanted everyone out of her way. Yeah. And she would hold guard all day. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. Did he, did he come through? No. Oh, he did. It was during COVID. No, it was. Yeah, that was a really terrible time. We still have COVID here. Yeah, you but, do, don't you? But not as bad. But Sarah, I love seeing you. Love and seeing catching you. up. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to a TV series where we can have fun with murders and robberies and detectives. And romance. And you can be in it, Jane. I'd be happy to Wouldn't be Wouldn't it be fun? Yes, I could even be the dog walker. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to walk pugs. That's okay. Okay, I like pugs. I never had a pug. But I've I never had a pug. Them. No. They seem to come in groups, too. You know, <laughs> no one has a pug. They have pugs. Pugs. Right. Did you notice that? And they snore. Yeah, a lot. A lot. Like bulldogs. Mm. Yes. <laughs> but people who have those dogs adore them. Adore, adore them. Well, um, the Duchess um, of Buccleuch in this book has her pug. I think you should be the Duchess. Yeah, okay. Yes, fine. Next book. Next book. You'll come back and visit again. It's a wonderful read, and it's probably about Sarah, but the next book, she says, is going to be even more. So this is a most intriguing lady, fun to read, and it's got everything you love, all the spy elements, everything, and you'll learn a lot about Sarah Ferguson's life. Thank you. Thank you so much for today. During a different age. Yeah, it is absolutely during a different age. But I, I think that's what's fascinating about it, because I put myself right into the part, you know, just that sort of feeling of, oh, my goodness, 
you know, how am I going to manage this? And but you know now that you can do it. Yes, yes. All of it. Mm. Well, I, I, I'm always humor, always humility, and uh, always kindness. And my, I think my father brought me up to believe the kitchen's more important than the dining room table. I always remember that some chef has cooked, worked hard to... Right, to, yeah, to and, do it. Yeah, and I think that's why I am what I am, is um, I, I don't take myself too seriously. I just get on with it. And don't forget that you're brave. Brave. You're brave and that you love the person you've grown up to be. And those are gifts that you can give to your own. Thank you. That's a that's a huge gift from you. Thank you. I think that's that's good. I am brave. Yes. You are brave. Well come back and visit again. Thank you, Journey. Thank you for having me. I've I loved love this time. You. It's like having a cup of tea with an old friend. Well, we're in our studio. No one else is here. With no tea. No, I'm sorry, no tea and no chicken sandwich. <laughs> I don't think you'd want the sandwich that we could procure for you. <laughs> but but I'm going to, um, around the coronation, I shall be, I just decided that I, the invitations haven't gone out yet, so I don't know if I'm going, but probably won't be. So I've decided to make my own little tea room. I yeah, mean, but you I, should go to the coronation. <laughs> You're certainly, I, I said after I heard you talk about the pre, the king, I felt like I wanted to call him up and spend a little time with him. <laughs> Good job. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you very I'll much. I'll visit with you again. Yes, Thank please. you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank I'm you. Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. More to come. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Ask Joan. Everyone wants something special. It's like saying to us, we're going to Times Square. Do you have a new restaurant? Believe me, I wish I owned one because I would send you all there. But I don't. And this is like Mother's Day special. Okay, so let's sort of hold hands and go check it out. You know the gardens that we have, the New York Botanical Garden in Wave Hill? They're gorgeous, and they're offering special events. The New York Botanical Garden on Southern Boulevard in the Bronx is doing all kinds of stuff, arts and crafts, live music. Lawn games, goodies, picnicking on Daffodil Hill with your own food or delicious food from the Bronx night markets. And you can also dance to live music. The picnic area is going to have lawn games set up, all kinds of things, ladder toss. There'll be hoopla hoops. And at Picnic Pavilion, there are craft activities, face painting, and they are free with regular admission to the gardens. Go to nybg.org. Admission, 35 for adults, students and seniors, 31, and children, 2 to 12, 15. We found reservations on Saturday and Sunday at the New York Botanical Garden Restaurant, Hudson Garden Grill, on opentable.com, and they're doing a good brunch. Or you know what? If mom likes the outdoors, take her to Wave Hill. That is a beautiful garden. I love it. 
It's at 4900 Independence Avenue in the Bronx, 28 acres of public gardens and a cultural center, and it all overlooks the river. So they have projects that are great. And you can also go to wavehill.org or take mom. I did a story on this restaurant. It, I loved it. The Whitby Hotel at 18 West 56th Street has one of the best teas in New York. Now you can get it on opentable.com or call the hotel. They do a pre-fee brunch menu or an afternoon tea menu for the holiday. For 95 a person, you get a glass of champagne for each person. And the tea, oh my gosh, everything I love, those little crustless sandwiches, you get like a three-tiered cake deal, and so you get all those sandwiches. You get hot, fresh blueberry scones with honey or sweet butter. You get every delicious thing you can imagine. And then I'm a sweet nut, and they have it. Everything delicious. So it's also a great place to bring kids. Little girls go crazy there. The Whitby Hotel. Check out the afternoon tea, 18 West 56th Street, 212-586-5656. Don't forget, you want to sit in the tea room not in the bar. The bar is lively and fun, and there were plenty of guys and plenty of social action. But the tea room was charming and peaceful and truly delicious yummies, okay? So all available for a special day and your special mom. WABC Radio is proud to celebrate. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 